0: We'll take a little pause and then we'll jump in. Welcome aboard the little red bandwagon. You're twice. Hang on. Do it live. That's right. Fuck it.
1: Okay, do it live.
0: Alright, now for reading. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice weekly podcast dedicated to the radio show, Turned Podcast Too Beautiful to Live. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me from Seattle and yet also from Chicago, through the magic of the internet and a tape delay, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy.
1: Hello, Hello Bobby.
0: I'm closer to you, can you feel it? I can. The power is strong tonight. Yeah.
1: Some disturbance in the force. We all can't be at one place at one time.
0: Well, we're all the same person, which would make that really difficult. Gotcha. That's true. That's true. On Mondays, we bring you a recap of the recent week of TBTL that was, but this is a Saturday edition of the show where we curl up with a good and sometimes sexy story from TBTL history as picked by a 10. And tonight's 10 is Alicia Elliott. Hello, Alicia. Hello. That's Mrs. Alicia Elliott, correct?
2: That That's right. The Very recently, Mrs.
0: You're the first 10 we've had on the show whose name has changed since they filled out the form at LittleRedBandWagon.com.
2: <laughs> I couldn't even find you in the form. It's too difficult. <laughs> I try to make it as complicated as possible.
0: It sounds just about right for our show. Uh, we'll start <laughs> with some things we must discuss with Alicia then we'll jump into our clip, which she has picked for us. We'll talk about how you can get involved with the show, and then we'll do a little housekeeping. But first, as we just alluded to, we were hoping, at least I was hoping, that we would have you on last week, Alicia, but we had to reschedule some things because you were busy last week. What happened?
2: I was busy getting married. I, um, I got married on Saturday, and I think you reached out to me maybe Tuesday or Wednesday night, and um, I really wanted to make it last week. Make it happen last week, and my then fiance said, "You know, I I think maybe maybe not this week. That's probably not not the best timing." Um, it also gave me the opportunity to have the conversation. You know that podcast I love to love you know listening to. So there's this other one about the first woman and they bring people on, and and fortunately he still wanted to marry me, but that was confusing. <laughs> But um. but, yeah, busy week.
0: Indeed. Well, congratulations. And thank you for making some time for us this week. You should be on some sort of honeymoon. But I'm so glad that you rescheduled it so you could be on the show.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, the, those reschedule fees aren't too bad. And, you know, when I when I threw around, you know, Pape and Frizzell and Wise, they're like, oh, of course, of course. No problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, just say my name and you'll get in. Um, so right. your husband isn't a 10.
2: He is not. No, I I have played a couple P- excerpts for him. Um, but just trying to explain the show, um, you know, as you guys know, is mm-hmm. is so complicated. And, every, and he just knows it as my podcast. At this point, you know, <laughs> he knows not to put the mug in the dishwasher. That was really important. Yeah. Um, That's Girls for Divorce. Yeah, I know. It was, I really, when I heard that or saw it on Facebook, I think I actually got up and like ran down, was like, is it in the dishwasher? Is it okay?
3: (laughs) My precious.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, my, um, my maid of honor and her husband were staying with us because they live out on the West coast and she poured herself a cup of coffee at one point and used that mug. And I think it was right after Bobby, you had reached out to me. So I had the tbtl page open on my laptop because i was looking for the episode and so one of my friends was like so wait a second go back to that what is that thing with the two guys with no faces like what is that (laughs) (laughs) again trying to explain it's it's challenging they really need an elevator pitch
0: well we've been talking about this i i know some people submitted some on the facebook page but it's a really difficult thing to encapsulate i'm not sure that i have one you know, my wife's in the same boat as your husband. She knows that the show means a lot to me and that we do this. And beyond that, she just stays away from it. Although when I came home from work tonight, she had taped my Luke and Andrew dolls to my microphone stand. Aww. Now that's love. Yeah, yeah, she understands that that would mean something to me, <laughs> even though she has no idea what it means.
1: Or she's right. saying, Get your shit out of the living room. Sorry, Aiden. No, <laughs> I want all of exists. your I want all of your crap in one tiny room
0: you've seen when we have the webcam on all of my crap is in this tiny
1: (laughs) (laughs) but the dolls moved out of your area and she was just putting them back so while it sounds romantical and
0: sweet it it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) before we get going i i gave you a quick warning right before we started recording as you know our favorite co-host, Nice Lady Christy Wise, uh, will eventually be getting married. Don't ask her if she has a date yet or you're not invited to our, to our senior producer, Jeremy Holmes.
1: Date for the wedding or w- date to the wedding? Because I'm also looking for a date.
2: <laughs> I, thought, I thought you already had Andrew. I thought you locked that in right at the picnic.
1: Right, right, Andrew. <laughs>
0: Call me, Andrew. Alicia, do you have any advice for our <laughs> bride-to-be?
2: You know, I, I would say as early as you can, make a list of the things that are actually really important to you, that they be a certain way or that they not be a certain way. And then just know that anything that isn't on that list is has a good likelihood of not being exactly the way you might want it. Mm-hmm. But it will just the, the at a certain point, you'll get to a let's just follow the path of least, least resistance kind of approach. Um, And the day of everything will be great and perfect and wonderful, and you won't notice a lot of things because you're so overwhelmed in a good way. Um, But there were definitely things that had I realized earlier on how important some things would be to my family, his family, friends, you know, people who aren't even that close to us, but we're going to be at the wedding. That just surprised me. Um, I probably would have had a little bit less kind of stress leading up to it. So trying to plan in that way, I think would be helpful, but it's going to be great. The two of you are going to be there and the person marrying you. And that's the most important thing. And at the end of the day, like it's a fun party for you guys. So enjoy that and try and keep that in focus as much as you can when you don't want to think about napkins or plates or wine glasses or Ties or any of that stuff, you know, ever again.
0: We all know that in Christie's family, wine glasses are just pint glasses. That part's already all set.
1: Right. (laughs) That's how we roll. I. So, what happens if your your list of important things is nowhere near the other person's list of important things?
2: (laughs) That happens too. I would say at least as long as it happens early, that gives you some time. We definitely had a few moments where. We didn't realize that we were both assuming things were going to happen one way. And it wasn't until pretty close to the wedding that we realized we actually like said out loud what our assumptions were and realized that they were different. And it wasn't anything major. So it wasn't really a problem. And at that point, it was more funny than anything else, because at a certain point, you sort of become a duo, the two of you and defending against, not against, but perhaps a little bit against everybody else. But yeah, that's definitely why like the earlier you can kind of figure those things out. And then also have the conversation between the two of you or parents or whoever's involved and figure out which of those really are deal breakers, you know, which is just a preference, but you know, it might matter more to one of you than the other. And so figuring out, you know, sort of where, where the compromises happen, because you also in that last like week before the wedding, you're tired, you're, probably a little bit cranky and, and again, we'll just reach that point of, you know what, let's, it doesn't really matter. Let's just move forward. Let's make decisions. Let's, let's get there. Um, and in the end you'll be glad because I'm sure we've all had friends who are, are such stress cases in like the month leading up to their wedding that they're not even really able to enjoy it. Right. And that's, that's and you just don't kind enjoy of them anymore. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't wait that's, until that's, the last minute. Too. Don't wait until the last minute and then find out that his parents were planning on bringing goats and your parents were expecting a milking cow. You really want to have that nailed down. What kind of weddings
1: happen over there in Boston?
0: (laughs) Uh, Alicia, thank you. I guess without Mike here, it's so refreshing to get a sincere and pragmatic answer to a question like that. Normally, that would just be us teeing up 10 minutes and making fun of Christy and Jeremy, but... You really – that was very thoughtful. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a little bummed because Christy already told me I can't DJ the wedding.
1: (laughs) No, I want you to be a guest. I didn't say you can't.
0: Oh, well, then we need to have a conversation because I think that would be amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you both – everyone should – this is me plugging my other podcast. Everyone needs to listen to Nerd Out Loud because we will be discussing uh, these – all these plans that we've made. And it's pretty hilarious because Jeremy and I just sat down and had our must have conversation yesterday and what okay. came out of it is very interesting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I will say of all the different you know vendors and people you have to meet with and hire, the one that was hardest for us to lock down was the DJ. We We interviewed probably like eight or 10 different people and just kept getting these very, Just unimpressive, sort of either low energy or just so cliche in their approach. Um, And so we had like all the other big things, the photographer and all that nailed down. But the DJ was like one of the last ones to confirm because just we met with some of these guys and they're like, well, you know, every wedding you got to have we are family and you got to have You know, throw in Love That Dirty Water because it's Boston and all this kind of stuff. And I was just
0: cringing. It's
2: like, have you had an original thought? Do you care what we want?
0: Yeah. So we knew we were good when we hired a local swing band. And for free, they threw in a DJ who, quote, has all the music the kids like. That's all they told us. Nice. (laughs) It worked. I was drunk by that point, so it was fine. Um, Right, there's that too. We could spin this off into an entire Little Red Bandwagon wedding planning podcast, but that's what Nerd Out Loud (laughs) is for. So instead, (laughs) everyone should just make sure that Nerd Out Loud is in their podcatcher feeds and check that out because I'm very much looking forward to it. Until then, Christy, why don't I hand things off to you and you can run Alicia through her paces.
1: All right. Hello, Alicia. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you, Christy. Happy to be here. (laughs) All right. So when did you, How? what was your first episode? So my first episode,
2: and I need to give a shout out to Lynn Pham for helping me to figure this out because I'm in that group of people who found Luke through Wait, Wait. And um, I, I had, I used Lynn's website to figure out when exactly that was. Luke was on an episode of Wait, Wait in um, April of 2011, where the featured guest was David Simon from The Wire. And Luke had been <laughs> Kind of stalking him, I think, leading up to that point. And David had never responded to him at all. And so there was this great moment when they first introduced the guests and then they introduced the panelists. And when the when Peter Sagal says, you know, and we have Luke Burbank, David Simon goes, oh, boy.
1: <laughs> I love that one.
2: <laughs> it was so great and I just immediately then there's like a little bit of banter between the two of them and then between David Simon and Peter Saul and then I think Luke sort of meekly jumps in but is like a little embarrassed and um so I I started listening to TBTL, TBTL right after that and so I was in preparation for tonight I was going back to just kind of scroll through what those episodes had and that was the spring It was um, I think it was last week that Luke mentioned there was a time when he was a little off. There was a lot going on in his life. Jen was sort of back and forth and he was going through a breakup and stuff. And I think it was right around that time. It was also the um, the royal wedding, which Jen was Mm -hmm. obsessing Mm -hmm. over in a fabulous way. And um, when Charlie Sheen was kind of going crazier than he had been. So it was it was a fun time to jump into that. chaos. (laughs) chaos. <laughs>
1: um, so what episode sealed the deal to make you a 10?
2: You know, I, I don't think there was one episode, really. It just I just was sort of drawn in by Luke and Jen's connection and sort of the way they're related to each other and um, their sort of inside jokes. And I remember listening to the Hunger Games book club episode. And I had not read the book at all. And so was sort of lost in in that but still really appreciated the way that they did the book club and and sort of ran that that episode. And and even though I hadn't read the book, I that really still drew me in. So I was just I think I was hooked pretty quickly.
1: Have you ever had any TBTL appearances, either live on the show or something being read or anything like that?
2: Yeah, I have. So um, I've had a few emails read most recently about a month ago, the one where that lovingly suggested that Luke find another word for homeless. Yeah. But then I was on TBTL once last fall. Um, There was a day where I think at the last minute, Andrew wasn't able to do the show with Luke. And so Luke and Carrie just opened the phone lines and asked people to call in with questions. OK. And um, and I called in and it was it was he, Luke had specifically posted on Facebook, call in if you have a burning question. And the first like three or four people to call were really excited to get on. But then but didn't actually have any question in mind. And Luke started getting kind of annoyed with them. And I had a question, but was he was sort of like reprimanding them a little bit. And so I was like, oh, great. He's going to be in a bad mood. But I got through because I had been that weekend I was supposed to host this alumni reunion thing for my high school that, um, was modeled in the, um, style of the moth, the NPR show. Okay. And then, and so I just wanted some advice from Luke on how, how to do that, which was, which was helpful. It was oh, I that email. Yeah, it was, it was fun, um, to, you know, just to talk to him. It was funny cause they were using some kind of, um, recording thing. I don't think it was stick cam at that point, but some sort of video recording thing. And I, I, Was made the stupid decision to like turn down the volume, but still watch the video while I was talking to Luke, which was stupid because there was probably like a 20 second delay. But it threw me off at one point because I was talking to him and he was being very helpful and, you know, charismatic. But then on the video, he was like making a symbol, almost like pulling candy, like, come on, stretch it out, longer answers. And it totally (laughs) threw me off. But it was probably 30 <laughs> seconds earlier than when I saw it. So I, you know, tried to keep my composure, but was immediately like, God, Luke's not in a good mood today. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it was great. And then I did the the thing that weekend. How did it go? It was good. One of Luke's first questions when I told him about it was, are the people who are going to be performing, have they been screened or did they audition? And the answer to that was no. And <laughs> Having gone through it, maybe they should have been. I mean, it was it was a small community and it was a very forgiving, you know, and warm audience. I don't think anybody minded, but the stories were varied in terms of how much they had been planned and the content. And so it was a little it, it was tough to be the person coming up in between and sort of trying to do those little interstitial things when some of them were very light and lovely and some were much sort of darker and heavier and then I had to come up and be like okay and the next person is (laughs) talking about their exchange trip you know so it was it was challenging but it was fun
1: all right and you've um been a part of the Boston's. have you gone to a couple of the different events or is this one coming up your first
2: I have only been able to make it to one other event, um, which was the, um, I think it was in in late 2011, which was the Chateau Saint-Michel Wine Tasting, um, which was at Missy's house back in in 2011. I haven't been able to make it to the others, but I'm looking forward to our meetup next week.
1: All right. And um, lastly, the last question (laughs) I have is, um, why does TBTL matter to you? Or maybe it doesn't, you know, for me,
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, no, I was thinking about this because it's, you know, TBTL is so important. um, But, you know, in the way that we've talked about, like, how do you explain it? It's it's similarly like, how do you explain its importance? Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, like, I've always been the kind of person who has a couple really close friends. I haven't usually been part of like big groups of people you know I wasn't in a sorority in school I wasn't part of like a sports team or anything I've always been done better sort of connecting one-on-one once you get out of school once you you know get into the workforce and life changes and you move and stuff those relationships are sort of harder to maintain and and I think TBTL has has the sort of wit and humor um is very much in line with what I enjoy. Um, and it has been that kind of constant in a way, um, in terms of like the kinds of people I like to connect to. Um, so through, through times when, you know, other things in life have changed and people have moved away and all kinds of stuff. It's been that one of those constants. And now, you know, I feel like a member of the family and, and, Love all the weird callbacks, you know. Whenever Luke says, "like our longtime listeners will appreciate," you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, uh, it's fun, you know, knowing knowing those references and sort of feeling that connection.
1: That's a really good answer.
0: <laughs> yeah, this, the <laughs> sincerity just continues on this episode. I know. Thankfully, I'm sorry. Are do you good.
2: need me to make a fart joke? Like to yeah,
0: Well, we need
1: that means that the next episode we need to turn the snark up to eleven.
0: Right. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about this clip that you've picked, and we can break it down a little bit more after, but I just want to give some people some context before we play it. We're going to play a segment from episode number 1022 in a collector series titled Sexy Books and Hard Life Decisions, and we're going to focus on the sexy books half of that title. This was one of a couple of options you gave us, but one that I think Christy and I have been really excited about and we're happy to get to on a night when Mike was not available because as the description reads from TBTL, Jen and listener Drew, Drew McFriz that is, Mike Frizzell, review a romance adventure novel that seems to contain neither. Um, the hard life decisions part of the show is actually Luke agonizing about whether or not to climb on the little red wagon for Lent. This episode is from February twenty second of twenty twelve, and it's an Ash Wednesday edition, beginning of Lent edition of the show Um, some great little red wagon talk in the first half of that episode and i encourage people to head back and listen to the whole thing we'll post the link but uh, in just a minute we'll give you the sexy books portion of this a couple of things i want to mention this is the middle of tbtl-a-thon number three feels like the third time (laughs) (laughs) and i hadn't really thought about it before but they brought Mike in for sweeps week. And that's really exciting. We have quite a commanding force on our bench with Mike. You know, the next day was Tom Tagney. So he's really up there with the celebs. Absolutely. I don't know that I need to say too much more. They do a pretty good job explaining the premise of this
4: episode. Why don't we roll that clip? Hey there, welcome back to TBTL. This is the show that's probably too beautiful to live. Luke Burbank here with Jen slash Andrews, and uh, on the line, a special uh, literary correspondent, Drew McFrizz. Hello, Drew. Hello, hello. Um, uh, who had this idea, can I ask?
3: Emily. Wasn't it Emily.
5: Yes, uh, I didn't even know that she had corresponded with you about it. But yeah, I think it was her idea.
3: She she wrote me that she could actually uh, die happy. I think if Drew and I read a romance novel together and then talked oh, about it. Oh, that's good. You know, so let's that's...
4: let's let's do what we have to do to one hundred <laughs> to two hundred thousand listeners, so that Emily and Austin can die happy. I mean, it sounds like a good use of resources. So so the idea was that you guys were going to read because you guys come from different. Uh, probably literary backgrounds, you're interested in... What, what sort of stuff do you read, Drew, uh, if anything?
5: Well, I, I don't do as much reading as I did while I was incarcerated, but when I was <laughs> incarcerated, I my commitment was to read all the books that I had pretended to have read <laughs> over the years. My mom uh, was an English teacher, and we had all these great books in the house, and I did read some of them, but you know, I always claimed to have read certain things, and... So a lot of the classics and a lot of great uh, American contemporary American authors as well. Well, that's
3: how I actually thought of you as a reader is because when John Updike died, uh, Luke said on the show, you know, I, I didn't read a lot of, of John Updike. And so I feel like I'm I'm not really a good person to eulogize him. And if anybody else would like to. And I remember the one that you sent in was really moving.
4: Um, yes, he was my favorite author. Now, Jen, you, um, you read voraciously, but not so much the... Romance novels, right? Or do you delve into the romance every once in a, a while? I do.
3: I actually am a fan. I mean, I, I, I read all the different genres. I definitely – and and mostly what I do is when people say you should read this, I read it. And I try not to be like, oh, I don't read in that genre. I try to read what people tell me is a good book. And I actually think there's a lot of – I actually think – I'm, I'm an apologist, I think, for romance novels. But unfortunately – Most of them are are really, really bad, and Kindle, unfortunately, is a situation now where there is no editing going on Mm -hmm. and there's not really publishers involved. It's just anybody in their basement writing a novel can upload it, and what they do is they offer them for free or they offer them for $0.99, and uh, so it's, uh, it's a clearinghouse with no checks and balances.
4: Well, you guys ended up on this book that you have now I guess both read called The Sweetest Thing. How did you guys pick this book of all books?
3: Well okay. So we started with a book called Dangerous Grounds. Okay, wait,
4: wait one second though. I do have some special <laughs> some, I have some special romance music for you while you talk about this. Okay. And
3: ironically, we should have stuck with Dangerous Grounds because actually Dangerous Grounds, which was like the free download, was better. <laughs> but well, it was when you I mean it was so sexually explicit that I just thought we need to we need something that's more traditionally romantic.
5: Dangerous this. grounds, if I had to describe it. It is this long long form, slightly boring penthouse forum letter. Yes.
3: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. That so it takes I the would...
4: at a coffee shop. Well, La latte is the coffee shop. La latte. No way.
3: It's true. And so she um she her her latte stand gets robbed and so this cop is like guarding her. Body, <laughs>
5: mm-hmm.
3: I don't even know. I mean, it was just for some reason I just felt like literally this,
5: he was on top of her body guarding, guarding it. it at that's all times. I, that's how I guard things.
3: <laughs> but sometimes she got his handcuffs and then she guarded him. It was I just thought this isn't this is more like the modern day erotica and that wasn't what my idea was of this segment. And so I said to Drew like Let's let's just pick this one that's the number one on Amazon romance list. And you can go
5: wrong. It's number one. Yeah, it.
3: it'll be great. And and then well we can get into that so that was how we ended up at the sweetest thing because it was that that day it was like the number one on the romance list on amazon and it was a dollar (laughs) 99
4: so um so yeah what happens in the sweetest thing is is anyone laying on top of anyone else to keep them safe
5: (laughs) well uh i i can summarize it. it it will take a couple minutes and i really want jen to jump in if if I'm missing anything, sure. or Luke, please jump in and sure. ask questions yeah, as Luke, I go. Yeah, Luke, have any I,
3: questions? Yeah, absolutely.
5: I sort of had to, you know, to, it's a big sprawling story, and I had to <laughs> write it down to sort of keep it straight in my mind. So, will, I'll just start at. The, let's there's say it's two. Like when you say there's two
3: stories, there's 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 Alex and Faith, mm-hmm. and then there's Julian and the Anasazi people.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I, it, okay. You go to about 1950 or 1960, somewhere in there, and this guy, who is our protagonist's grandfather, busts into a cave in Arizona and grabs or steals this artifact, which is a pot. Mm-hmm. And he takes it back to his trailer where he's living with his fiance. They're both young people at the time. They fight over whether he should have done that. The 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 pot breaks. And he has a bad feeling about it, so he goes into town with his half of the pot and talks to a shaman. The shaman says, you need to put this pot together, back together, and stick it back in the cave, or you and everyone you are related to will be cursed to a lifetime of loneliness and despair. So where the novel actually starts is when our protagonist, Alex, goes into a lawyer's office. Uh, His ex-wife has died. He was married to this woman for about a year when he was a young man, and they had a daughter, which he thought was his, but she said, after a year, it's not your kid, and took off. Mm-hmm. Now he's in the lawyer's office with a twelve-year-old kid, and they're saying it's your daughter. You got to take her. And she he also has she's a grandfather. would you yes, say? She's what's that?
3: Jesse is. She's plucky, but she hasn't been loved properly.
5: Right. And she's, she's a dirty. You know, she's they describe her as having a dirty neck. She's like she a homeless smokes, kid. and she swears. Yeah. Yeah, because her mom has been homeless uh, and penniless for the past couple of years.
3: So in one of our favorite plot devices, he has basically inherited a child, uh-huh. which happens right. all sure. the time in rom-coms. Yeah. But So he shows up at this lawyer's office, and he's like, she's your kid. And he's like, no, she's not. When she was born, the mother told me she's not. And he's like, well, you're on the birth certificate, and the mother just died, and she's yours. And two days earlier, his grandfather, who broke the pot in 1950, bringing down yeah. the curse, showed yeah. up on his doorstep. So this guy goes from being like a suave bachelor uh-huh. to having a 13-year-old kid and a grandfather living in his apartment.
5: He's, he's quite the businessman. He, he has risen up in the business world um, by founding a shoe company called Top Flight Athletic Shoes, which mm-hmm. he likes to talk about mm-hmm. a lot, and it's, it's to rival the new shoe companies. He's this good-looking, powerful guy, and he doesn't have time. He just doesn't have time for this craziness with his
4: grandfather. See, this doesn't sound to me so far to be very romantic. It sounds more like a Steve Gutenberg film.
3: Well, in a nod to Dangerous Grounds, the whole family goes down the street to get a latte.
4: Okay. At a place called Faith's Fancies.
3: Faith's Fancies, and they meet the owner, Faith. And Faith also has had a tough life. She was abandoned at six days old at a church with a locket or
5: something? Yeah, St.
4: Christopher Middle.
3: Yeah. And uh, so she's been she's just been alone, waiting for love. And she got engaged, but the guy died in a car crash.
4: St. Christopher, patron of what? I don't know. Lost Things.
3: Oh, there we go.
4: So just factor that in, too.
3: So Faith and Alex meet. And I think this is – I actually think this is one of the big problems that romance novels have today is that when you're writing a, when you're writing a historic romance novel, it's great because there's a million things in society that keep you apart. If you fall in love, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're from different classes or your families are at war or the nation is at war, there's a million – there's a a ton of plot devices. But in modern-day times, if you meet someone and you like them in America, you pretty much can get together.
4: By the way, St. Christopher, saint of traveling.
3: (laughs) Not of lost things. Turns out
4: I was wrong on that. (laughs) I apologize.
5: Way to sharpshoot yourself. That's some preemptive (laughs) sharpshooting. <laughs> so,
3: I think the problem with, with this novel is that she has to come up with a reason why Faith... Because Faith and Alex meet, they clearly have chemistry, they like each other, mm-hmm. but they can't immediately get together because that would be boring. So, she makes up this whole curse that his family's under a curse, and also that both of them have not been loved properly, so they don't know how to love. Like, yeah, you have to don't... come up with this really tortured reason why two people couldn't just meet and like each other and get together.
5: And he's real... At the beginning, he's very gruff and indifferent with, with the grandfather and his daughter, but... You know, it's very clear that she's attracted to him. He's a real beef So,
4: (laughs) Okay.
3: So it becomes clear pretty quickly that they have got to find the other half of this pot, Mm -hmm. and they've got to get it back together, and they have to return it to the cave in Arizona, or none of them are going to be able to find love.
4: Okay. So what happens?
5: Well, Well, Jenna, Jenna, I I think we should backtrack just a little bit because Faith was – Engaged to this fella, and she was accepted into this family. The family she'd and, always dreamed of and wanted. And then after he dies, he's hit by a drunk driver and dies. She's still sort of in their family, and the brother proposes to her, even though he's blind. I mean, he's gay. <laughs> I mean, he's gay. <laughs> so
3: <laughs> the brother, Ben... Uh, It does not want to tell his family that he's gay. And he's also lived his whole life in the shadow of his big brother who did everything perfectly. And so what he's decided to do is put his gayness to the side Mm -hmm. and marry Faith and and just be straight and and get his family's love. Right. And you know how well that
5: works. Yeah. Faith tries to protect this secret and then she gets tossed out of the family because he won't admit that he's gay. Yeah.
3: So she finally's like, I'm not going to marry him, and so then the family's mad at him, like, why wouldn't you marry him? But she doesn't want to expose his secret, and so she doesn't say. So then they throw her out. But then it's great because she's free to go to Arizona to deal with this pot situation that's now she's has now become involved is, with. Is there
4: a hunky? Uh, is there a hunky? Um, uh, what do you call the guys that scratch up the dirt to make a square plot and look for no. archaeologists? Oh, no, is there a hunky archaeologist? Well, oh,
3: there is. Yeah, there is an yes. Indian guide.
4: Yes. No, I was thinking of archaeologists, which could be an Indian. <laughs> I mean it's possible. It's absolutely possible. No, my question is though, does she mean – maybe I have this wrong. I just thought these books were just a series of of ladies having men love them in the way that ladies think they want to have men love them. This sounds well, this,
5: like – This book's a little more ambitious than
4: that. Yes. Oh, I see. You weren't being sarcastic when you said it was <laughs> – sprawling, robust... No, I mean, it, it's very ambitious,
5: and I think it's ambitious in the way... It's ambitious in its writing, the way that Top* is ambitious in his family. Very successful, like th- but terrible.
4: So, like, this book versus, like, Michael Franzen's Freedom, or Jonathan Franzen's Freedom, rather.
3: Okay, the second problem, I would say. Michael
4: Franzen is the saint of lost things. That's what it was.
3: (laughs) The second problem, I think, with this novel, and I think this comes up a lot in romance novels, is that the romance writer doesn't want to just admit she's writing a romance novel. And so she Mm -hmm. comes up with these really, like, what she thinks are deep plot lines, like this ancient culture that's being, you know, raped in the Arizona caves, and the guy that's gay who can't tell his parents. Like mm-hmm. she's come up with all these side plots that she thinks elevates her book above a romance novel, but what it just means is she didn't write a very good romance novel. Mm-hmm. Because and, and that's by, not what her book way, is.
5: By the way, um, this novel set in San Francisco and this guy might be the only fully closeted gay left in San Francisco. But <laughs> <laughs> right,
4: because it's like even
3: though he does have his lover coming to his apartment, he comes at night.
4: Yes. <laughs> um and sometimes these books – I guess not always now because of the self-publishing, but they're probably also a lot of times written by like women of a certain age to whom it seems conceivable that there could be a – like if she's trying to think of a gay guy, well, he would live in San Francisco and he'd be in the closet. And it's like if you've been to San Francisco lately, you'd realize that's not happening so much any longer.
5: That's I've, why people go to San Francisco. Right, exactly. so they don't have He wasn't to in It's got to be a very roomy closet there in San Francisco. Yes.
3: And that's why I would say that Dangerous Grounds, our first book, was actually better because it just set out to do what it was going to mm-hmm. do, which is be a hot... Romance between these two people who have hot sex and they're both super hot and mm-hmm. they fall in love. Mm-hmm. That actually succeeded. The sweetest thing tried to be about all this other stuff and it just failed on every single level. And ultimately, the worst failure to me is it wasn't a good romance.
5: Jen, can we talk about the sex?
3: <laughs> yeah, we can.
5: Um, Wait a the, minute. Which the,
3: the dangerous ground sex? Because I don't
5: think I. Can oh no, that no, right no, no. Okay. That's a different program. But,
3: <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, sweetest thing, sex. sex. Is- In
5: this novel, this guy and this lady talk through everything that they say. Like, for example, in one spot, I'll leave out the real dirty parts, but he says, we got to slow down. And she says, not slow, fast. I want to live the way you live, Alex. Take me with you. Show me the fast lane. (laughs) And he says, that's not all I'm going to show you.
3: They are real sex talkers for sure. Oh my god! <laughs> they talk he's to the he's whole like thing.
5: Michael Scott. He does double entendres <laughs> during the sex act.
3: <laughs> the other thing that Barbara Freethy, our author, does is that she she wants to constantly convince you that these people have this really rich internal life mm-hmm. and they're madly in love with each other. But because of these wounds from their childhood, they can't do it. And so she, every other sentence is a sentence in italics, which is what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes so crowded because they're talking during right. sex but they're thinking during sex there was I mean it, it was like so much italics I, I was so bombarded with their inner life that it didn't leave anything to um, uncover about who they were as people because she was bombarding you with information about everything they were thinking every second plus they were talking nonstop
5: oh yeah I mean I was so relieved when they were through boning down but
4: um, <laughs> what I would describe every person who has ever done it with me by the way <laughs>
5: One of the um, sex scenes, the most disturbing one, I was reading aloud in the car with, my, with Emily and my mother-in-law and Cullen in there. Cullen had his earbuds in, so he, he couldn't hear. But it was a scene where we found out his origins, why he started the athletic shoe company. He was pigeon-toed as a child. <laughs> and oh, he this was so feet, He would never take his socks off during their, right. their lovemaking sessions.
3: Oh, Drew don't, a... get, Drew! don't tell this
5: part. Oh God. She, she <laughs> finally gets in She finally gets down and peels his socks off. <laughs> and I'm reading this. We're we're pulling up into a parking space next to a restaurant, and my my mother-in-law and Emily are screaming for me to stop reading, kind of like Jenna's screaming for me to stop right, <laughs> right now. Right. Right. And we all they ultimately made me stop, and I couldn't even see anymore. I was crying with laughter when her little pink tongue slips out, and she starts licking his his pigeon toes
3: and it heals him <laughs> for the first time someone has made love to his toes he actually says this or maybe it's in his mind I couldn't keep clear yeah. but it healed him finally of all the pain from his pigeon toe childhood that she was making love to his toes with her pink tongue and that that happened
4: I don't <laughs> even think from an orthopedist standpoint or a podiatry standpoint that's been properly peer reviewed but in this book that totally worked yeah I've been doing a little research on Barbara Freethy, and she talks about her getting started in uh, writing, I was pregnant at the time, and I think there must have been something in those pregnancy hormones. Two years after the decision to leave the PR field, I had a finished book and a contract with Silhouette Romance. Okay, I've glossed over the hair-pulling struggle of actually writing that first book, but all the pain vanished when I got the, quote, call. (laughs) And this woman, by the way, with all of the... uh, toe sucking and uh, uh let me show you my manhood stuff is so much richer than any of us will ever, no, ever be down.
3: oh yeah because because i looked to see if she was one of these people that are self-published and saw that she had like 50 novels that are all bestsellers and she has you know she's a published author and again i actually really like a good romance i actually think they're they serve a great purpose they're you know a totally great escapist and they uh, you know they fight for the idea that love really matters and how we treat each other and all this stuff and that there's hope. But this book couldn't be just what it was because she was trying so hard. Oh, I just... Uh, Drew, I just felt so bad. Like, the whole time I was reading it, I just kept thinking, I cannot believe Drew is having to read this book. <laughs> huh.
5: Well, I, I... She's she's going to lose a lot of this money because she's wide open for a lawsuit on this book because, uh, you know, there was a, two people in a rowboat on the cover? Yeah. yeah. Did you see... Yep. Was there any ocean, nope. any river, any lake, any boat of any kind mm-hmm. in nope. this book?
3: That was absolute false advertising. Yep. And that was the entire reason I picked that book, I thought, oh, this is going to be like a classic romance. I had no in idea we were going to travel to Arizona and get involved in, like, you know, cultural genocide. God.
5: Well, you, one of the reasons I agreed to this is because Emily will read the occasional romance novel, too, and, and all the pop psychology will tell you that women, especially married women that read these books... It's because something is missing from right. their marriage and their relationship. So, I, you know, I made this commitment to read the book, and now I've decided to make a, a further commitment, to fill that void. I am going to write a shitty book for her. So.
4: <laughs> I like it, that. Actually, that that actually sounds like a pretty uh, solomonic, solution to the whole problem. Not make sweeter, sweeter love to your lady, but just write her an additional shitty book. That well, she can reading read.
3: this book it does make you feel like this is not hard to do.
4: No. Because
3: you don't have to have any skill with, with um, making a, a paragraph if you can just constantly go into italics and just give you exposition. I mean she just does exposition nonstop, so you, she doesn't have to use her, any, any kind of story building or plot building to tell you anything. Cause she just constantly tells you she really likes him because he's tall and handsome and rich, and he really likes her because she's just constantly doing that throughout the whole book.
4: Well, no skill. say what you want about this book, but do not say anything about the Angels Bay series – <laughs> that she also worked on, or daniel's gift, Spanish version El regalo de Daniel, <laughs> or any of her other she sold over a million ebooks by the oh way my gosh. um and uh is apparently uh, a lot of foot
5: fetishism uh,
4: yes.
3: <laughs> well, and i did I long did.
4: climb long climb for that foot foot fetish you can get you can go right to the source on that a lot easier on the internet. <laughs>
3: I, before, I, before I sent it to Drew, I very quickly clicked on it, and there was all sorts of like five-star reviews under the book. I don't understand. Who- Those
4: were all five kitty reviews. <laughs> I mean, they were little. Were they little gifts of cats getting stuck in surprising places? Because that's I would imagine who was uh, who was reviewing this.
5: Well, so Jen, Jen, do you think? I mean, would you recommend that I keep trying, or is this it? Should I stop? I'm, I'm a big 0 for two on this one. I, I know.
3: I, I feel really sad about it. I I think that that off air I might send you some some titles I'd like you to check out.
4: Okay, <laughs> that sounds very racy.
3: I know, but I've learned to be careful what I say on the air because then I'll get emails of people.
4: Well, Drew, listen. This was an incredible uh, act of self sacrifice on was. your part, and I appreciate it. I want to thank you for taking this major bullet. This essentially makes you to a to a group of. If you divide our listenership in half, maybe I don't know, hundred thousand people. You are now their ultimate wingman
5: oh, for having done this. That's that's nice. It was it was actually a lot of fun to make make Emily and my mother-in-law very uncomfortable for for long stretches of time on a car trip.
3: <laughs> I don't take responsibility for that. That was your decision. How many people do you think
4: are going to start reading this book now, listeners, because of your description of it? Because. In an, in an, I guess you could call it ironic term, we're probably going to sell some books for Barbara Freethy over this.
3: I don't think so. Mm. Drew, wouldn't you agree with me that you, wouldn't you recommend Dangerous Grounds over um, The Sweetest Thing?
5: Yeah, I would. I would because it's it's much shorter and <laughs> if you if if you have a purpose in mind, you know, you're going to get it accomplished a lot faster. I don't know how to, how yeah. to say that exactly. It's hot but sex.
4: I, it's, I have some ideas on how you, you can accomplish your purpose even faster still. But we'll leave that for an offline conversation. Hey, thanks,
5: Drew. Oh, you're welcome. You guys have a great day. Bye. All right, you too,
4: man. I'm
0: not sure exactly where to start other than that I'm also upset that the book cover has a boat on it and there's no boat.
2: The... <laughs> Truly, false advertising 101. Come on, come on Obviously.
0: guys.
1: As a, I have a friend that writes... Romance novels like these, they're better written and she actually pays someone to edit them. But I bet that this was a free picture that the person found online. Because you can, anyone can upload a book. I mean, I could write one on the plane to Chicago and have it uploaded into Amazon. Um, it's, so I'm it's, sure Saturday.
0: That, it's Saturday, Christy. You mean to say I mean, you could have written I one did. on the flight to I Chicago? I did it.
1: <laughs> I wrote a memoir about the trip.
2: was there a coffee shop
1: there was coffee but no
0: coffee shop oh my (laughs) (laughs) so now that we've listened back um alicia tell us why you suggested this episode
2: (laughs) well i i remembered loving this the first time i read i listened to it um and going back and re-listening to it now that we all have sort of gotten to know Mike as a character. It was so much more fun just to hear his discomfort and disgust, but, but also, I mean, he enjoyed it a little bit. Like you hear it, he paid attention. He recounts the story very accurately. Um, So that, that alone was, was reason enough, but I, I just love both Luke and Jen don't really know what to do with the content. Like they're talking about it. They want to talk about it. But there is just this sense of not quite disgust, but, but just utter dismay that that this exists.
1: It um, calls <laughs> itself a book. It should not be no. called a book. No.
0: Well, no. It, it's worth noting Barbara Freethy, the quote-unquote author of this book, has published like a ton of stories. And this is available... Yeah. On Amazon right now, is. not just in Kindle, but on paperback, printed on actual paper for ten ninety nine on Amazon Prime. You can oh own gosh. a hard copy of this book.
1: Everyone buy it. Just kidding, and- don't do that. <laughs> it just encourages it.
2: Yeah, no, and the, the frightening thing too, I was looking at the Amazon page and it actually the majority of the comments are positive. Like yeah. Most of the world who read this book really enjoyed it.
1: Is that her family and friends? It
0: could be. It's got got 137 customer reviews right now at an average of four stars, or as Luke would say, four kitties.
2: Yes. (laughs) Yes. We should look at the the number of cats per household for those 157 people.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
2: Though I also, I love, you know, they talk about the first book that, that they ended up not reading because Jen says it was too sexually explicit, and and Mike says it was a long form, slightly boring penthouse forum letter.
1: Oh my gosh, I'm buying that right now. <laughs> In my cart.
0: Dangerous <laughs> yes, grounds. You know, it's free. At least it was back then. I wonder if it's still around. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> no,
1: I agree. I have Amazon Let's- Prime. It's gonna meet me in Chicago.
0: There you go. <laughs> it, it met you in Chicago.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Time is hard.
2: <laughs> so you you wrote the prequel, Christy, That was it was dangerous <laughs> beans, right? You wrote. Yes.
1: <laughs> Purified beans turn into yes. dangerous grounds. <laughs> yes. Things get warm. <laughs> no,
2: I love that too. When they talk about how that. That was I think it was right after Drew says it's like a penthouse letter. Luke jumps in and somehow has a surprising amount of knowledge or, or at least a sense of what these books should be, because he says, Oh, what? Does it take place at a coffee shop? And they both are like, Well, actually, yes.
0: All I can picture is Gunter from Friends when yes. someone says something <laughs> like that.
1: Oh my god,
2: well,
0: I
1: know. Just so you guys know, the Kindle version of Dangerous Grounds is yours for only four twenty four.
0: The market self-corrected is- because that's more than the Kindle version of the sweetest thing, which is 3 dollars
1: right. Wow. Even like the super is $11.04. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's still $11.04 more than your favorite Tumblr pages, Christy.
1: Yeah. Well, I just love that the coffee shop is called Ula Latte.
0: Yes, that's the best,
2: <laughs> the best.
1: Sorry, that's not the book they read. Let's, let <laughs> the other one.
0: Oh, I think it's okay for us to critique the entire process of this segment. Yeah. We're well, the
1: editors,
2: really.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. My favorite part of the whole thing was how they were talking about the book as if they were at an actual book club where you would, you know, just see a, a, bunch of people drinking wine and eating cheese and how they're like when Mike's like oh no we need to to backtrack and talk about this plot point <laughs> right funny.
2: that's what I mean I mean Mike really it was important to him that they to get the that first right. yeah it was also
0: important to him to be eating cheese the whole time so it's fine right well
1: yeah. well also I love that Emily signed him up for it
0: yeah oh yeah
1: <laughs> Emily Emily thinks she should do this and he I just have, doesn't.
2: I have a follow-up file request, which is at the end. He says he's decided that that what he's going to do for her is is to write a shitty book for Emily. And I think we need to we need to hear what happened to that book, and yes. maybe reconvene this group.
0: I had the same thought because I call bullshit on that. I'm almost positive <laughs> it has not happened.
1: Well, it needs to happen, and it needs to have pictures.
0: Absolutely, pictures or it didn't happen, Christy. You know my rules. Mm-hmm. Yep, And no boats. Boats are not allowed. No, no boats. Unless it is a boat. Unless it's one of Luke's boats.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless it's a boat.
0: True. The entire book is set on a coffee shop on Luke's boat.
1: <laughs> oh, See, now I'm interested.
0: Exactly. So let's talk about Mike since he's not here to defend himself. I actually really enjoyed the insight. I knew this from, from knowing Mike and remembering this episode, and you said it a few times before. The fact that he, when he got to prison, went back and read all the books that he lied about reading his entire life. Up to that point. I love that. That's probably what I would do too. Yeah. If I had six years to kill, I would go back and read all those classics that I bullshitted book reports on. And I was an English major <laughs> in college.
2: Right. Me uh, too. My favorite sort of throwaway line of Mike's is when they're talking about the, uh, how ambitious the book is. And Mike says it's ambitious in the way that Carrot Top is ambitious in his comedy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wondered yes. when I heard that line, if he had that on a little note card next to the phone or if yeah. that one really was off the cuff. Cause that was a great well, line.
1: Knowing Mike, yeah. Jen had written it down something and then he said it before she could. <laughs>
0: a little personal there, Christy, a little touchy. Little personal. <laughs> It's almost like that's happened to you before.
1: you behind the curtain
0: of LRB business. <laughs> uh, that's why Christy updates the run sheet th- 30 seconds before we start recording now. <laughs> in a few weeks, you're just going to start running bad jokes in your column, and you're going to save right. good ones to see if he falls for it.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: You need a humor sting there. you got to figure out exactly. how to do it.
0: <laughs> The construction of this book If I gathered it correctly, because I've never gone to actually look at it, the awkward dialogue (laughs) versus inner dialogue in italics, every other line, they don't teach that in lit as far as I remember. I did go to some of my classes, and they never told me to do that.
2: No, I think Luke sums it up when they're they're talking about the strange exposition and how they they talk through everything, including the – the sexy times. And Luke says, this doesn't sound very romantic. It sounds like a Steve Gutenberg film
1: (laughs) (laughs) about Steven Gutenberg?
2: but he's, he's from um, like three men and a baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, those sort of not pretty like entertaining, but, but
1: short circuit. He was always the like doofy uh, fun guy.
2: Right. Right. Oh. Not not so much the hunkiness, though.
0: That's right. True. Police Academy.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. We have Tom Selleck for the hunkiness. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, this was a great clip to listen to. I don't know what, what else I have to say about it. It really, it, it is such a time capsule of TBTL. It's got Mike just calling in as Drew McFrizz still. We've got jen but it's after the thousandth episode which is where i sort of see the turning point from sort of jen's final days on the show and then andrew coming in shortly thereafter it was so nice to bring this part back especially after us all just listening to a week of andrew centric reruns from phyllis fletcher uh it's nice to pull back one of these classic produced segments it's been a while since we've gotten anything quite like this
2: complete with the music underneath
0: Oh, and we're going to be putting that music underneath some of this if I can find it. I'm going to go look in tomorrow morning. <laughs> we'll see if we can. Uh, yesterday morning, for all of you who are listening on Saturday, let's see if we can get a little bit of that's. Uh, it's Valentine's Day off the album Candlelight, instrumental piano for romantic whatever or something. Uh, that was Classic. My notes were a little thinner than normal for this just because I spent the whole time laughing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it wasn't that there was a lot to write down. It was just a great experience. Yeah.
2: I had a couple other moments that, that I took note of, but one of which when Luke, for some reason, can't remember the word archaeologist. And so his, <laughs> he says, but, but somehow it's really important to him. He's like, is there a hunky, what do you call the guys that scratch up the dirt and make a square and look for? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I swear to God, I thought he was talking about a baseball umpire at first. Like oh, I was trying a guy leaning say- over, brushing off home plate.
2: Yeah, yeah. And somehow that's a hunky, there's something specifically hunky. Maybe he's thinking Indiana Jones, but he really needs to find that word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And, and Mike talking about reading out loud to Emily and Cullen and his mother-in-law reading this book out loud like just we I think we were all cringing along with Jen about the the whole thing with the pigeon toes and just the the imagined awkwardness in the air that, that only Mike could harness in that way
0: I was driving home from work this afternoon while I was re-listening to this clip and I had a shiver down my spine when he read that part about the pigeon toes we'll leave it at that yeah um, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to have to pull over for a second. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> you hear the... a reaction. Totally. And you hear the discomfort in Luke's voice, too, where he's listening to Mike and he's with him, but you just get that sort of, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? Yep, yep. And mm. This is a man who can tell the story of, of crapping in his pants, you know, till the cows come home, but this this is too much for him.
0: So we need to reconvene this book club. We need to read the books that Mike <laughs> writes for Emily. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's probably time to make everyone read another bad amateur published erotica story for the Kindle.
2: Absolutely. Well, I think we need Luke, Andrew and StuBot to convene the next panel.
0: Oh, yes. I know Stu would be down. I don't know if Glenn would be okay with it. <laughs> I don't know if, if uh, Luke would have time to read a book right now. Like usually he would have to make up an excuse, but right now I feel like he's actually too busy. Maybe Mike and StuBot should do it. That would be great. Mm-hmm. All right, right. Stu. I co-sign that. We're looking at you. <laughs> we know you're listening. Alicia, did we miss anything in this episode you've brought us?
1: I
2: don't think so. I think it's – if you haven't listened to it, go back. It's worth it. It's – uh. It's it's a good one. And like you said, uh Bobby, I think it's it's nice to to sort of rehear the, the connection between Luke and Jen from years ago and to to hear from Mike before he was, you know, of LRB fame when he was just an occasional <laughs> contributor.
0: Right. Just that just that uh ex con we all sort of said we sort of knew.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> right. If you've always wanted to hear Mike talking about pigeon toes and uh and <laughs> lattes, this is this is the clip for you.
0: Well, thank you, Alicia, for bringing this to us. Uh, before I do our Get Involved spiel for tonight, Christy, I'm going to take these out of order. Since you have some thorough and extensive notes on the archive project, why don't you tell us mm-hmm. how we're doing there?
1: All right. Um, let's see. So I just want to give an update. We've had 255 episodes as of today have been completed. Um, We have 80 weeks assigned, but uh, doing the math, we have a lot more. So, we need your help and we need people to work a little bit faster. So, our archivist of the week, Gold Star, is Mark Hutchinson, who's on his fourth week assigned. He is Gold Star today. And today, our worst archivist is. Kelly Fulkers.
0: Is <laughs> Friend absolutely of the show, Kelly Fulkers. Worst.
1: <laughs> she's absolutely the worst. She hasn't started. And she may be bragging about being a scientist, but she's not an archivist. So I will not be endorsing that on her LinkedIn page. She's um she's too busy with her now very famous blog where she interviewed um Jesse versus Cancer. Um, and so that it's, I'm really happy for her.
0: She interviewed Jesse case. I don't think his name is actually Jesse. Jesse versus cancer.
1: Yeah. I mean, that would have been kind of a spoiler alert to him. Right. Um, right. no, yeah. Jesse case of <laughs> <laughs> Jesse versus cancer fame. Um, so I'm really, really happy for her and all of that she's doing, but she's the worst. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell it to her face when I meet her tonight at 8 PM at the holiday club.
0: You're the she's queen actually of, going to what? You're the queen of transitions on this episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's going. We're actually. She's going to take us around the science museum. So between her and Jeremy, um, they're going to space and science us to death. And uh, Joe McCulley and I will be sneaking out the back door if they have such a thing at the science museum, and doing something that cool kids do. Okay, if- so tonight. Tonight, come down to the Holiday Club in Chicago. I would love to see you. I
0: will use that that. opportunity to plug the Boston's meetup. Uh, I will be there. Alicia, you'll be there, right?
2: I will be there, yes.
0: Excellent. Uh, We are going to be meeting at 4 p.m. on Friday, September 25th. So when this comes out, think the next possible Friday from when you're listening to this, unless you're listening to this in 2019. That's Friday, September 25th, 4 p.m., at RFO Sullivan in Somerville, the information is on the TBTL Boss Tens page. Uh, if you're hearing this and you're close enough to Somerville to come, and for some reason you're not in the TBTL Boss Tens group, you should be. So go join that group and then check out the event information and let us know that you're coming. And I specifically made it 4 o'clock because some of us have jobs where we can weasel out an hour early and start mm-hmm. drinking, and we will do that. And when the rest of you can get there... Come, we'll go early to hold the table because we are heroes who will drink early for the benefit of the group. So, take one for the team. I like
1: That's you, right. Bobby. You. Uh,
0: I like your fashion. For Boston people, it's a it's a ten minute walk, a beautiful ten minute walk from the Porter Tea Stop. You can do it if you're on the tea. There's also a lot of street parking. And I remembered this because when Andrew first said it on the show, I was mere blocks away from that very bar. But this is a bar where Andrew Walsh is a fan of the Chinatown burger purely so he can turn to Veeves and go forget it Veeves. It's Chinatown. And so I will be having a Chinatown burger in Andrew's honor on Friday, the 25th at 4 PM. Come on out guys. And with that we'll do a little get involved reminder for all of you who are listening. If you want to take part in the archive project or you want to be the next Alicia on our show, Go to LittleRedBandwagon.com. And in fact, if you go to LittleRedBandwagon.com right now or any time in the near future, you're going to find some other new, exciting information that we're not going to talk about now. Right, Christy? Right. Do it. We tinted at it a couple episodes ago, but now it's live. We're doing it live. It's happening, people. It. Facebook page ours, Little Red Bandwagon and we make appearances in the Stens page. If you haven't given Little Red Bandwagon a like yet, would you? We know we're getting more listeners than we have likes, and I'd like to see that number go up a bit. On Twitter, you can find us. I'm at RL Pape. Christy's at Eyes, K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. Mike is at Drew McFrizz. Uh, Alicia, should we be hunting you down on social media anywhere?
2: Um, I am on Twitter. I, I don't use it much at all, but um, but I'm trying to be a little more active. I am at Alicia Skeptic.
0: All right. Are you an egg or do you have a picture?
2: I do have a picture. Um, it's from a wedding I was in a while ago, but pretty soon I'll probably update that to my own wedding, so that'll be
0: fun. There you go. You can also get us on our show Twitter at LRB Podcast. Email us, littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And with that, Christy.
1: Until next time, this is the next party.
0: We love you, Jen, and we love you, Mike.
1: Nailed
2: it.
0: Thank you, Alicia.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, me you guys. This was fun. <laughs> <What>?
0: <laughs> that was money tree right there
1: <laughs> i felt sad because you did a money tree and Stu did a money tree and then i realized i
0: didn't do a money tree it's never too late to do a money tree
1: <laughs> money tree